0: Hey everybody, it's Rogelio Castillo here for Woodward Tigers, and this is the future self. So, last night, originally found the Lance Parrish home run from 1984 with Vin Scully on the call, but I did find a better version of Kirk Gibson's home run. The audio, again, from the past, a little dilapidated, but still, we wanted to honor Vin Scully, and uh, that was our way to remember him last night. So, so, carry on. Our YouTube version is a little different. So, that's why I wanted to come on here and put that disclaimer. Have a good day, everybody. because of that, Gosh is saying, I can get it. Well, we'll see. They give Gibson the left field foul line. Brown is in left. And there's walking. Uh, no Vince passed away yesterday. One of the greatest. Broadcasters of all time, if not one of the best. And he was left legacy behind. him He did Dodger baseball for almost fifty, I believe over fifty years. fact, Six, 67. Sixty-seven years. Yeah. I think and, I
1: saw that he he did more years after winning the Ford Frick Award for, you know, being the best baseball announcer or whatever, uh, than he did before he won it. <laughs> That's well, first, That's that's when you go
0: to Hall of Fame, correct?
1: I believe so. Although did they did they want to change the name of that award? Because I thought there was Ford Brick uh, friction. But uh, anyway, no. I for for my money, Vince Scully. I know everybody. You know, everyone in Detroit loves Ernie Harwell, and Ernie Harwell was great. And I don't think there's a saying you're not denigrating Ernie Harwell by saying Vince Scully was the best announcer of all time. I, I think you know, like comparing to Ted Williams and Babe Ruth, right? Yeah, and it's in
0: yeah, a
1: I'm lot of ways.
2: Yeah, a lot it, of ways, absolutely that way. Um, I think one thing that he did is he diversified himself into other sports a lot more than Ernie Harwell did. Although Ernie did some of that earlier in his career. I just think at some point he stopped. You know, he, he wasn't going to go do college football or anything uh, after it seems like it was the 1960s. So you got to see Vin in a lot of different formats. Um, but to me, the one of the coolest parts about baseball being streamed and the MLB package is how many times um, back around 2008, 2009, I would be either up late to listen to Tim Lincecum pitch or watch Tim Lincecum pitch, or I would put the Dodgers on and have Vin Scully in the background. And it was just really phenomenal every night. And I never would have got that without the MLB package. So that was uh, something that streaming really did for us.
0: And you're talking about other sports. You're absolutely right. Him and Dick Emberg, who was another favorite of mine, local graduate from Central Michigan, kind of set a standard for Central Michigan grads. They have a great program out there. Anthony Broom, Chris Casanelli. I mean, of course, there's others like the, that have graduated from there, but I'm talking in terms of local presence and, and what kind of school that they kind of talent they bring out there. And yeah, it's Vince I always think of every national, I think of also like MLB 99, it was a play, the PlayStation 2. But I, I just, he was everywhere. And there's, his voice is so smooth. And just, even when you, I, yesterday I was hearing the 1990 Fernando Venezuela no-hitter call and just letting the silence, he was one of those guys that let the crowd do its thing. Yeah. And um, that's gonna, that's something you don't see very often now. And he was gracious, really, really gracious. So
2: well, another thing was, when he was with NBC and they had the world series there in the eighties, he just had some really great luck that the eighties had some wonderful world series. I mean, he's sitting there for the Buckner play, you know, he's there for Gibson's Homer, you know, uh, both of Gibson's homers for that matter. So he just, he happened to be there in the great moments, the great memorable moments. Uh,
0: and he was the perfect guy for it. He wasn't there for the Bobby Thompson home. Well, I mean, the, the giants won the world series on that, but, uh, yeah, he was, yeah. He was so on the was losing Ernie. side of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ernie was on the radio call. call. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the radio call for that. So, uh, welcome into another episode of Woodward Tigers here at Woodwardsports.com. I'm Ray Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is Chris and Uper. You find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, and at Woodwardsports.com. I wanted to mention this because we had an email this week and I wanted to make sure that, um, we plug this more because we don't if you have a show question if you want to participate in the show shoot us an email at woodwardtigers at gmail.com again woodwardtigers at gmail.com i'll make a point to put it in the show notes on the podcast so you can just simply click on it and email it and um yeah we had a we had a gentleman who gave us an ugly this week tim and he said i'm not on twitter and i realized like oh good point so if you have a question and you don't have social media and you just want to email us again woodwardtigers at com is the fastest way i'll put your question or segment on air so uh plenty to get to this evening there was one of the probably the most historical trade deadlines we've ever seen the amount of talent the amount of bodies are shared so um on the tiger side of things it i mean it's not really well we'll get to that too mm-hmm not much to say about that and yeah Perry Perry brings up a good point about guys are getting paid by the word or trying to say something hot but there's a lot of broadcasts. we don't I mean we're fortunate enough to know Dan Hasty, Greg Anya. There's, there's Dan Dickerson Matt Shepard I know people don't like Matt Shepard but I think Matt is a good guy and, and overall he's really good at Michigan basketball and, and I think he's trying in baseball so I think when people rag on him so much I just don't understand the future hatred for it so it is what it is it's a hard job to do. And I mean, I fumble over my words constantly. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind them at all. So yeah, let's get to the, the, the trade deadline. There is, there was 50 moves since the all-star break guys, 50. We're not going to do all 50 because we, you know, we want to keep this moving along, but um this, this was a, this was a insane, insane trade, trade deadline. And, there was always the rumors about school, but we knew better, quite frankly, that wasn't going to happen. And then, of course, it's injury now with its forearm. Again, <laughs> we'll get to that, which is just, man, it's, you know, damn it. <laughs> the season has sucked. God, come on. It's just everything that has gone wrong can go wrong. Murphy's Law, if you want to put a, a, a phrase, Murphy's Law, Murphy's Law. And then Lynn Henning reporting today, essentially, that all will be gone after the season which I think would be a foregone conclusion, but we'll, we'll get to that. But let's start with the trades and we'll go with the Padres who decided to um, load up for bear. And they, the, the athletic gave out grades for trades and they were going over them all. And it was funny because some of the teams, the, the Brewers, <laughs> Brewers got C plus and rightfully so. Cause they really kind of, and the Dodgers, got A D plus, but the Padres got an A plus. So this is what the Dodgers have acquired. They got Juan Soto and Josh Bell for the Nationals in exchange for three prospects. I'm not gonna go over the prospects out of it. They acquired Josh Hader, um, and they traded Eric Cosmer to Boston for Jay Groom, which I didn't know he was still around. Did you guys know Jay Groom was around. Wow, it's anything I haven't heard in a while. And they got infield of Brandon Drury for the Reds. And it's just one of the most impressive things about this trade deadline is they use their prospects. They had, they have, they have, I mean, the Padres have a pretty deep system. And then what I find kind of funny is the Nationals decided to send Luke Voigt down to triple a hmm. Voigt. I mean, know that. yeah, I read that today, but uh, I'll start with you, Chris. As far as I mean, the Padres seem to make all the headlines, but was there a team that may have surprised you a little bit and, and got better?
1: There were some surprising deals that that you know uh, one of the things we all often complain about with the Tigers over the last few years is the lack of kind of creativity, and um, so the Yankees you know made a couple of trades that that were normal, right? You know they, they traded some prospects for uh, you know Frankie Montas, right, and uh, and it was Lou Trevino.
0: Yep. yep.
1: And then, but then, like, one of the deals right before the deadline, they traded their number four starter. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Didn't they trade him for Harrison Bader, the center fielder? Yeah.
0: yeah Montgomery, just, like, yeah. Jordan Montgomery, yeah.
1: Yeah, Jordan Montgomery for just a random kind of, you know, four or five-year big leaguer for a four or five-year big, big leaguer. And it it uh, it's just interesting to me. Like, these teams making deals on the margins, I guess. Like, hey, we, we've got enough space here to improve in this one little area. That's what we need to do. And just some deals like that, that, you know, again, we don't see a whole lot of that from uh, the local baseball franchise.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in terms of defensively, I, I believe he grazes one of the best center fielders in, in terms of offensive metrics. Yeah. Correct?
1: Absolutely. And, and the Yankees already, I believe are the best defensive team in baseball, at least according to fan graphs. So just an interesting, like just moves you would never expect. I don't think you would say, "Hey, the the, the seventy one Yankees are going to trade their number four starter." <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. It's um, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of. There there weren't necessarily the giant deals that I expected after, after the Castillo trade to Seattle. It felt a little bit like, "Oh man, okay." You know, Seattle gave up two of their top five prospects, maybe three of them. I, I don't. Um, But the two young shortstops you figured were probably they didn't want to part with. But Seattle was like, yeah, we're going all in. So you thought, "Okay, that's going to be the price for these multi-year starters in the market. And then it just never materialized. You know, a lot of the names we heard, including Tarek Skubal, just it never seemed to be real. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. I was kind of hoping for just mayhem, chaos, as
0: it were. Chaos. We were waiting for that. But, uh, Youper, what about you? What team surprised you at the trade deadline?
2: Well, the Red Sox sold. So that's something you don't see every year. Uh, I wonder what that means for them next year, uh, with Bogarts and J.D. Martinez uh, to hit the market uh, potentially. So that's you know that's one of the powerhouse teams of the, of the American League uh, in sell mode, which you know you don't often expect to see that. I thought uh, Tampa brought in a couple of nice players to help them where they're weak, um, and really. I do want with Seattle kind of going sort of all in. It's interesting does the 2 out of 3 format make the wild card going for the wild card not much more attractive. You know, uh, instead of just a one and done and uh kind of a dice, you know, flip a coin game. So, uh, it was just a fun week rather than, you know, uh, the Tigers static attitude toward things and um, <laughs> uh you know, I think the Twins I think that melee guy is going to help them because they're weak. Uh, you know, Chris Archer goes four innings tops most of the time. I think he, he kind of helps bolster them uh, to win this division. And they brought in two good bolt of arms with Fulmer and Lopez. So I think the Twins might have really helped themselves kind of stave off the competition here.
0: Yeah, I really like the Twins deadline. I mean, Lo- you get Lopez and Fulmer, and then you get a four starter that's really going to give them some innings down the stretch and because the, the White Sox did did absolutely nothing. The Indians no. did barely nothing. I mean, the training Sandy, Sandy Leone to the Twins, so you give your division rival a, defense, a defensive catcher presence because Gary Sanchez, let's face it, he's not a really good defensive catcher. He can hit the ball but you gave Leone a guy, a veteran catcher back there and they are their philosophy of reforming the roster from a home run type roster to just getting contact and, and drawing walks and, and having these long prolonged at bats has benefited them. So now you have a really good, yeah. Lopez back there. Now, Lopez, I have to say it that way. Lopez, you have Lopez back there. And Fulmer who pitched today against the tigers as the tigers lose a series, to the twins. And then here's what the tigers got for their postseason grades. You guys ready? <laughs> Whoa! no, not not, not a B. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oops. Right there. A D. A A D. Big old D. And I'm surprised they did not, they they didn't get F. You don't know anything. You don't know squat, you stupid idiot. Baseball
2: America had a list out today uh, where they ranked the 72 prospects that were dealt over this deadline period. And uh, the two guys Detroit got, uh, Gibson Long came in number 64 and England
0: was number 72. Let's let's talk about the Tigers trade deadline, shall we? Because we're all talking about the trade line. It just makes sense. Look, as far as what they can do with Sawyer, Gibson, Long who, by the way, sounds like a rush song, which is why the Anybody, anybody, I, I'm sure, I mean, people were Rush fans among our crowd, but uh, um, maybe a middle relief lever. I thought he had a good changeup, good slider. His fastball pre, seemed pretty hittable. I watched another start of his today. I know Trevor Huth from Bless You Boys did a player breakdown, but they must have saw something with a slider and change that can make him. He's currently starting right now. he will be, he's actually going to be appearing on Friday. He's going to start Fort Erie in Portland on Friday. With Ty Madden going on Sunday for the Seawolves, which we'll get to. The minor league stuff we'll get to a little later. But <laughs> as far as his stuff goes, it doesn't. I mean, there's nothing that really stands out. And then the other gentleman, Chris Anglin. I, I guess well, somebody comped him as a look like a Josh Hader look alike. Well,
1: just because of his <laughs> hair, I think. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's tiny. He he uh, he does not throw up. He basically barely touches ninety. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, and we're all we're asking. We're all saying, "Who's that dude?" Because we have no idea who he was. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't.
1: It, it very much felt like that. Uh, you know that meme, like uh, you know, our expectations were low, but you know, and then swear words, swear words. Um, I I I was stunned by how how poorly they did at this trade deadline. Um, it's almost like they were prevented from making moves. The moves were so poor, and I don't want to. You know, I don't want to down these these guys that they got. Baseball players can improve and get better. And just because you're not on a top 30 list doesn't mean that you're not a top 30 prospect. You know, you, you won't find Josh Crouch on a top 30 list anywhere except ours. And I firmly believe he's one of the top 20 prospects in the entire system. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe the guys that they got from the Twins is, is, has a future, but it, it's just, it's stunning to me that they couldn't get at least one top 30 type prospect for they had... Four really good relievers to trade, at least. And we weren't expecting to remove them all, but Fulmer absolutely neutralizes right-handed batters. I, I don't know how uh, you can't find one contender who can use a guy like that and is willing to part with something of value. Joe Jimenez has is that in a year of control? Chafin,
2: I, I don't get it. You blew it. It was, yeah. it was stunning. You know, I think we may have had some suspicions. But it was stunning to hear this quote, to see the quote yesterday that a few calls were coming in, but the Tigers weren't calling anybody. They don't make calls. I mean, they don't create the market themselves, obviously, then. They they wait for these things to come to them. I can't believe that's the modus operandi there. I mean, this is going to be a pain in the ass. What is the sense of that? I, I don't see that was really it was really something to see in print.
0: Yeah, and the, the the thing is that uh, again, that I expect a top three prospect for Robbie Grossman? Hell no. Did I expect no. a I expected a wild card or a lot we call it a lottery ticket. Yeah, absolutely. But a guy in complex league that they they must have been like, uh, hold on a second. Let me let me rummage through here. Uh hold on a second here. Uh, you guys looking for a lefty? Hang on, hang on. Uh, 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 Chris, uh, Hey, 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 hey. How about the Chris Anglin? Who? Sure. Uh, he's lefty. He's complex league. Really good. He's got got go the slider. Okay. All right. I'll said, "Okay, I gotta go to bed." Yeah. It, 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 some of the, like some of the things he said, the press yesterday, was just telling. And maybe he knows he's gone. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I that, and we'll get to that. Part right here in a second with what Lynn Henning said, but I'm looking at, um, and even today, it's just we'll get to the game today. Too. The game is a different, uh, yeah. Today, this week's been a giant crap sandwich with a uh, steaming hot plate of cheese. It's just, it's, I can't really without going too swear bombing and all that. And I, I have, you know, so here's what I'll, I'll let me pull up the comments. Why did the Tigers? moving into the relief picture. This is what Cody Silverhavigan said, and this is Avila's quote. Quote, there wasn't much as much conversations as I think the media made it out to be. However, there were some. We decided that the possible return we talked about just did not move the needle, needle for us at this point. This is getting to be a pain in the ass. Uh, excuse my French, but I'm starting to get annoyed here. What do you mean? What do you mean? What there, nothing inside, nothing, nothing enticed you, nothing. Okay. So I, I, I mean, I, I, go ahead, Chris. Well, I mean, if the, the, the offers
1: they were getting were equivalent to the, what they ended up getting, then maybe, yeah, that didn't move the needle, but it, it just, it's again, it it boggles the mind that they couldn't somehow create a market for these guys who are objectively good relief pitchers that yes. every contender wants at the deadline. Every contender went out and got relief. Even some non-contenders did it. The Rockies re-signed their 38-year-old closer. Uh, You know, call the Rockies, see where you can get. But it's it, yeah, it. It just strikes me as, uh, you know, there was a a famous uh, situation that happened with Michigan football way back in the day, like 2007, 2008, when when Lloyd Carr retired, and they supposedly Les Miles was going to be the new head coach, but the, the athletic director at the time I believe was out on a boat somewhere in the middle of the Caribbean. It couldn't be found. Like, that's what this felt like. It felt like the, the front office was like, Oh yeah, and he's at yoga. Like I, I, and I don't mean to denigrate these guys. I know that they were probably trying and working and, and the front office does work and they, they do a lot of preparation for these sorts of things, but the results are just so underwhelming that you can't help, but wonder if they even tried.
2: Yeah. How, how can you not go out and sell, sell the fact to somebody that, Hey, Michael Fulmer, as you said, completely dominates right-hand batters. How's that not going to help you win a World Series this fall? You know, that's going to help you win a World Series. Let's make a deal here. You know, there should be a way to do that. Now, I've never obviously been on one of those calls. I don't know how they interact with each other. But I have a feeling that A.J. Preller doesn't take no for an answer too often. You know, I bet he makes things happen versus all of those deals just coming into his lap. You know, so it's just, it's just mystifying. It's really hard to believe that a team 20 something games under 500, right. And they've been there for a while. and They've been in this rebuilding process and we thought that they had, were going to show some motion this year upwards that we come to the deadline and whether it's through injury, poor performance, lack of depth, or just being a horse bleep team, they did not have one, marketable entity to put on the trade market what kind of indictment is that on illich's organization you didn't have one really marketable guy that half the league was going to be fighting for to maybe augment their team
0: there's not a guy on the roster it's here's and here's another quote too from him today right. it was, cody uh, tweeted this earlier quote from alvila the market was flooded with relievers, and whether there was more buyers than relievers, I think there was more relievers than buyers this time around. What kind of Yogi Berra shit is that? It's sounds like some Yogi bear, like some Yogi Berra, I would say. Um, said the twin... Rump, Rumpfeldian. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, then we know there's said, some
1: Relievers out there, to a certain extent, to the, to, to the north and the central and the west and then the east.
0: <laughs> and then, as far as the twins came along, quote, well, a little bit later in the process of Michael Fulmer, and then this is the quote he said about Derek School. Quote, it's not like we're calling teams to trying to push the it push the issue, Olive said a terrick school. I explained to you guys very well that if the right deal were to be pursued, then we have an open mind and look at it. And you know what?
1: Bullshit. That's how I feel. Total fucking bullshit.
0: <laughs> look, whatever I mean, again, we're not in the rooms, we're not, you know, we're not in there, we're not in the trenches. And then the last quote that I wanted to mention here, quote, obviously there's still opportunity here to go in the offseason or adding hidden talent. It could come in a trade in the offseason, or quite frankly, it could come tra- or come through f- free agency too, end quote. And Michael said, Michael said something too that he's absolutely right on, that there is a reputation that people don't want to deal with Avila because he overvalues things. And then this is the other part of what Michael said here in the YouTube chat. Avila said he can also fix his team with trades and more likely free agents this offseason. This kind of scares me. No creative thinking in his moves. And you know what, Michael? Bullshit. That's how I feel. I can... Total fucking bullshit. In regards to what he said, Avila said. Not you, Michael. You're, you're good people. But, uh, yeah. Well, it's... I mean, again.
1: Lynn Henning believes that Avila's gone after this year. I think everybody believes that happens. But if, you, if, if he's not, we've got a pretty long track record of what Al Avila does with trades and what he does in free agency. And we'll have a piece on that eventually. But it, it essentially means he's lost.
0: He gone!
1: Was that Khan? No,
0: that was... Uh, the
2: Hawk.
1: He got him! Hawk he's gone!
0: Hawk Yeah. Sorry, go
1: so ahead. So Avila has, has lost... Roughly seventy-five percent of his trades, at least from a WAR perspective, and on on the free agent market, he's paying about fifteen million dollars per win. Whereas you, you want it to be more like under eight. I mean, eight to ten is like considered what the actual value of a win is. So if you can get more than that, that's great. Um, so yeah, I guess all the Tigers need to do is spend like three hundred million, and um, you got your extra twenty wins
2: next year, and there you go. That'll get you to five hundred. You know, is, is Xander Bogarts going to come to Detroit? Why would he just, leave you to Boston to go to Detroit? Well, He's yeah, just waiting for that. Wrong! You know? I mean, come on.
1: This is unbelievable. I know, are they going to go after Wilson Contreras? Are they going to get the corpse of Michael Conforto if his, his shoulder <laughs> isn't rebuilt? I don't know. Uh,
0: look, the the thing about the trade deadline that really... It, look, it, I'm glad it didn't trade school... I'm glad they didn't trade him in us, quite frankly, too. But I think the whole... I, I think people now are just like, all right, dude, you need to move on. I mean, we got Christopher in here, who's... We have... Usually in our YouTube channel, we have pretty good level-headed people, but even the rational people are like, we're done here. We're absolutely <laughs> done.
2: Well, you know, Kenny thinks he's done. that. Avila's moving on, but I'll tell you, if he's still... The figurehead of the organization right now, the public face of it. Why? Why was he in charge of this deadline? If he's going to, if he, if Illich knows he's out, you know, um, I, I I don't have a lot of confidence that he's done.
0: Uh, well, it, you know what, Uper, we have somebody in the chat that said this. And I'm not sure you could see this, but Perry said no one defends Al Avila like when Henning. For him, the right that means Avila's in trouble is in trouble. That's and fair- you know what? And point. look, and when we were at the the house of Gurosh a couple years ago, and we met up with Henning. Henning didn't say where he gets the sources, but he know he knows a lot. And so I hate when people give him crap on Twitter sometimes about oh you're just an old man. No, no, Henning he knows a lot. He not get, he's not gonna he's not gonna tell you how he knows things. <laughs> I mean, just like yesterday, we Chris and I were discussing roster movement before it happened last night. I'm not gonna tell you how I know that, but. Um, I can't defend, but yeah, no one can defend them anymore. You can it, it, even, like I said, somebody was or somebody in the Discord was like, "Well, oh, you guys thought it was going to be 500." Nobody, not the three of us, thought of not not any one of us. And this podcast said the Tigers were going to the postseason or going to go to 500. They get better, but no one. <laughs> blood right, don't I do think... that. Look, blood right. We like jokes, man, but come on. If, if you see so... another ten, go ahead. I think I had them at seventy nine wins,
1: and then they traded for Meadows, and I said eighty one. But I think I can't count how many times we said, "Hey, they might be better, more talented this year," and it still be worse because baseball is weird. And then baseball exactly. got really weird, and also the talent went away. I don't know what happened. It's been
0: strange. Yeah, you it? you had a, you had the you were the little little man on the totem pole, correct with wins? Yes, and I and I was wrestling with even going lower.
2: Not that I saw this happening, but you could just. I, I never felt confident about how good they were last year. That was more my thing. You know, I thought that there was a little bit of a mirage to some of that last year. But, you know, it is, and you have to be realistic, too. They have suffered through some bizarre stuff this year. There's no question about that. And you can't put all of that on Vila. But at the same time, you're not going to fire the owner. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, and if you're going to make changes, that's where it's got to be. But, you know, I, I'm sure he did not factor in the bizarreness of uh, Austin Meadows here. Uh, he didn't imagine Rodriguez disappearing on them. You know, uh, no one did. And So, you know, I give him a little bit of a pass on that. But the overall mountain of evidence we have, it just comes down to, are they going to want to flush out the whole system? Or are they just going to
0: make a change in one chair? And look. I, I think that you're right. There's a lot of things that can that happen that have been very unexplained. However, be that as it may, and I've been steadfast about this since day one, you didn't do enough to address the depth. You could have gotten to minor, like some minor pieces. You have guys sitting in your system right now that for whatever reason, you don't bring up. So if you're not going to bring up Quincy Deporti because he's not a clearly a major league player, then why go through that? You brought all these Jack Lopez. There's Brendan Davis. There's guys that on this, in the farm system right now that you're not even going to bother to look at. So why bring them in? Why did you not bring a reinforcement for first base, a backup, or like somebody like Brad Miller was out there? That made no sense to me because you're going to trust Torkelson's is going to take off like that, that. That's a lot of pressure on one man, and that's not fair to him. And it clearly it, it it has messed with him somewhat mentally, but to sit there and go, Oh, You know what, we're gonna have two rookies, and uh, yeah, well, everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna have a guy in Akil Badu who struggled the second half of the season, but he, he'll be all right, you know. And they put too much faith in what they had, versus okay, you know what, let's have a veteran guy who could, you know, even I mean, like a normally it would sound like a bat like Nomar Marza or whomever as a as another veteran, yeah. but that didn't even happen. I mean, it, 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 as far as I mean, you got Tucker Bernhardt. The, that trade was applauded. You got Baez, you got the medal, I mean, excuse me, and then you got the trade for medals. But even before that trade, even before Riley Green went down, I still thought the Tigers did not do enough to address the little things. And you were just putting way too much faith in variables that really were clearly, I think, are skewed.
2: Yeah, well said. I, I mean, I, for me, the one I was always just worried about and It went even worse than I thought was they stumbled into a career year for Robbie Grossman last year, which was great. But the the idea that he was going to come back and duplicate that or even be 90% of that to me was always very questionable because that's not who he's been for his whole career. And he he went even beyond, he went backwards even beyond where he was in his prior career. I thought that was very easy to see. I don't know how they didn't. Well, they moved the walls out on him. Well, you know, Hate when that happens. <laughs>
1: He's I, I, I'm looking. I don't, I don't know what his career uh, platoon splits have been, but uh he, he was so incredibly bad as a left-handed hitter this year that I, I just – I, it was, it was one of those situations where I just thought he should probably just try to hit right-handed at all times. How much worse <laughs> could it possibly be than 143 with one home run and 196 at bats? Let me check. Let me check. Twenty twenty one. Oof. Come on now. Twenty. So last year he hit two twenty one as a left handed hitter and two seventy nine as a right handed hitter. So I mean, you know, he's always been better from the right side. But two twenty one with fifteen home runs would be acceptable, I think, in seventy one walks. That's more than more than fine. But yeah, just cratered this year. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I. I. I think as we said, we we were mostly reasonable. We thought this year would be kind of a stepping stone year, right? get the rookies feet wet uh, another year of development for the young pitching and uh, get kind of these, these we thought the the veterans would continue to be quality near averageish players. You get close to 80 wins. You feel like you're heading in the right direction. You make some more splashes in this off season and uh, just about everything went wrong. And so, yeah, it, it's, it. And then, and then after the trade deadline, it's hard not to feel like you're just in like a giant hamster wheel here. Yeah. Like at least with the Reds, they went and they sold everything and they got a ton of really interesting prospects. So you could say, all right, well, this sucks. We're kind of rebuilding again. But look at all the, the talent we've acquired. There's a lot of potential here. The Tigers didn't acquire any real talent. So it's just they're just here with the same guys. Give it another go next year.
2: And that to me is at least a little bit better. Puts their GM in a better light that the Reds had assets to sell. Yeah, I mean, they're a bad team, but they had guys who were marketable. And the Tigers, quite frankly, I don't know what, who they were going to trade uh, this year that would have done something similar. They just didn't have it. You know, one thing I wish they could have done was if they could have grouped those relievers together into maybe a package of two, you know, could they have gotten something better that way? But I thought, I thought, obviously, the Tigers won't pursue that stuff.
0: At least I we're not. The
1: fans Begging for Fulmer and Chafin, both of them. Yeah. And I guess fans in the front offices don't align. I guess that probably doesn't happen very often, but still. You know what Bloodright brings up a good point
0: here. Um I maybe that's maybe that's what it is. You know, it, maybe I, it's conspiracy, but you know what or irresponsible speculation. But honestly, I mean, the, but here's the reason why I think Bloodright might have a point. We saw Boston and Houston trade with each other. They're familiar with each other. You know why? Cuz they all work together in Tampa. Also, Tampa they all made trades together within the same three organizations, and they're all familiar with each other.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would hesitate to say that because I'm not entirely sure that Dave Dabrowski is a beloved figure among other general managers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's kind of a cutthroat himself, but I do think it's telling that, uh, you know, Avila and and Dabrowski, as far as I can tell, haven't made any real trades. Maybe uh, who was the one catcher they got for John Schreiber? Was D- Dabrowski oh,
0: still there at the time? Oh, the guy uh, that was in double A, and then we never. Yeah, saw yeah him. he never
1: never played a game in the system. Yeah. Um, You would think that maybe the guys who worked together for 20 plus years would, would have some working relationship, but I guess when, you know, the one guy gets fired and the other one takes his job, that's going to create a little bit of an awkward situation. But
0: yeah, uh, and not, so like, and not to mention, maybe he knew about it the whole time. And that we don't, again, we, don't know. we to, don't know. He
1: had to have known about it for yeah. multiple days beforehand. Um,
0: yeah, it's.
1: We've heard many rumors, as Michael brought up earlier, that, that the Tigers consistently and it's not like they're asking for a lot. That happens in every negotiation with deals. You know, we, we remember when those Astros emails leaked out years and years ago, they were always asking for way too much. But but then it's a negotiation process. And it seems like that's the the sticking point for the Tigers is they ask for a ton and then they don't really move, or they just go silent and and other teams just move on. They go, All right, well, you know if you have a more realistic deal, then we'll talk to you. And then they don't. and Tigers wait for him to circle back around and it doesn't happen. And yeah, I mean, the talk around baseball right now, around uh, lots of baseball. So from what I've heard now is is that, that yeah, everybody keeps asking if the is going to be fired soon. And if uh, the other guys are trying to push him out from behind and uh, yeah, it's, it's ugly. It can't be a great working environment there right now in the Tigers front office.
0: By the way, I just want to share this because at least we're not the Pittsburgh pirates. <laughs>
1: What do do we have here?
0: So that's owner Bob Nutting. Yes. And that's a a fan who has sell the the team next to owner Bob Nutting. (laughs) That right there is fantastic. Right there. Mm. That fan is – imagine somebody doing that to Chris Illich. I I, I couldn't see that happening. Immediately, (laughs) we just swarm like – that wouldn't happen, but no. And, and Christopher brings up a good point on YouTube, and he's absolutely correct. Randy Smith traded with his dad all the time in Houston, all the time. Same, where he was familiar with with the Padres. That's an yeah. excellent point. He always did that. He he loved, for whatever reason. He also liked ex former Braves. For example, George Lombard was a Brave. Um, Nieves a former Brave. Um. There was another. Or, or, no, I'm thinking of a, Kareem Garcia was a former Brave, I believe. There was a couple. Um, he was in Arizona for whatever reason. He loved uh, he he loved former Braves, and he had a certain type of guy he liked. And wh- another guy right now who's in Double A, or Gabe Alvarez. I mean, he was obsessed with Southern California guys because that's who he was familiar with. You go with what you know. And, really, and How how many GMs are
2: contemporaries of Avila? You know, I mean, they're all pretty much at least a generation younger if not two yeah I mean, what I, what it, I... I mean
1: we were kind of discussing this in the discord a little bit that you know avila is a baseball lifer you know he comes from a generation of a baseball family it's been around baseball forever but that doesn't that's not the same as having relationships with these guys and like hanging out with these guys and i compare it's silly but i compared it to like any keeper fantasy league i'm in a keeper league where i've been in the same league with uh, like a dozen guys for 20 plus years Ooh. and yet i only trade with like 3 of them because we have the understanding we're like and it's basically like when i'm tanking i will trade you my or my my veterans for your prospects and and then when you're tanking we'll do the same and that's basically like we have an understanding like yeah we, i understand what i'm getting here and, and there's not going to be any like you're not going to try to pull one over on me and it's i don't know i think i don't think that avila has earned that trust or that uh I don't know, that friendship from the rest of the general managers around baseball. And, you know, you, you, it's got to be kind of a working animosity, I guess. You know, you want to beat these guys, but you, you also have to keep it within reason. Otherwise, they're not going to deal with you. And and we see the results. Like, I don't know, maybe last year just, just made everybody unrealistic. Maybe getting anything for Daniel Norris, let alone a, a top 20 prospect in the system. Was- He's back, though,
0: Chris. He's back.
1: <laughs> yeah, Daniel Norris is back. Great. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, that was, Quite that was numerous, a good trade. Yes. Droll, very droll, yes. Whimsical, yes, yes. amusing, <laughs> yeah. yes. Quite <laughs> jocular, yes. yes <laughs> merciful, <laughs> yes. <yeah>. Okay, that's <laughs> enough for <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I had <laughs> Yeah.
1: So, anyway, disappointing week. Yes. Just kind of, uh, now, be, now begins the, the dog days where just the, the who the hell is that? Who's that dude? Part portion <laughs> of the roster is coming. The Derek Law era. The sheriff, yeah. So,
2: who's that dude? Is, oh, well, yeah. It's now. It's did, did did Riley Green have a great catch tonight? You know, did did he have a couple good at bats? That's what we're looking for. That's really all the year
0: boils down to. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. and also, I mean, we're, we're, what's going to happen here is we're we're hearing it very faintly right now. Okay, and another thing, rah rah rah. Look, you're gonna you're you're hearing that now. And by the way, everybody in Discord who talks Detroit Lions and tells us that, um, that we're not we're crazy for not uh, following the Lions or whatever. Look, you're entitled to your opinion. You can say whatever you want. And I don't. I I hate how you have to explain fandom to people. Well, you live in Detroit. You're not a Lions fan. Nope. No, I, I I stopped on narcotic a long time ago. I can, I, I, you know, I mean, go like, I, go well, well, uh, <laughs> you. That's that's you. That, that's your own fight, battle. But, anyways, <laughs> you can root for whoever you want. I don't care. I'm not gonna give you crap for who. Are, well, I just did, but you're different because you're from the UP. Um, that's different. But uh either way, I just think that when it comes to the Lions, Chris and I, I think we're we're. It's weird how you and I are in sync about a lot of things, but the Lions one, right step in line. Um, I why? <sighs> it's,
1: mostly it's it's just a it's just a mystifying thing to me. The uh, <clears throat> and I've talked about it before, and, and this is a Tigers podcast, or whatever. But but there's a uh, I don't know. I, I make it. It's like a, a a three to eight year cycle from Lions fans, where you know the the new GM comes in. This is going to be the one who gets it right. It's looking good. Bring in the new coach. We like this guy. He's got to install the system. First year doesn't really matter. Get the good draft picks. Second year we made some progress. Third year. Hey, what's going on? Why isn't this working? Uh, it, it's either horrible by the third year or by the fourth year, he's gone new same GM. He has to get this hire right? Brings in the new coach. This new coach has a new system. He's got to install takes another year or two things look good. Things don't work out. Year four, new GM. And it's, it's like, we talk about how much, how much the Avila era has sucked for Tigers fans. It's six and a half, seven years. The Lions have been doing that for 10 times longer, 10 times. Their last championship was 1957. I, I don't know how, how people keep getting sucked in. Like I understand it's, it's a sport. Everyone loves the NFL for some reason. Um, and, 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 you know, do what you gotta do to be a fan, have, have fun on Sundays. but like, I just I can't with the people getting sucked in every time. Oh, this coach is going to be different. You know, he he uh look at it, he loves his team, he says crazy things and then and then 2 years later the crazy things get, are just super annoying, right?
0: Like That's I, the thing. That kind of stuff has been
1: life.
2: The
0: curse so. of Bobby Lane. Yeah, Jeremy's right. The curse of Bobby Lane. Whatever the case is, I if you like the Lions cool. I went to the training thing last week with my brother, my brother and my brother-in-law and <laughs> it was just yeah, they, they, they. My, my brother in law is season ticket holders, but I'm a tiger season ticket holder. I mean, this is last year because obviously I'm, I'm in a different capacity now. But uh, nevertheless, um, I, I just yeah I had to block that <laughs> stupid bots. Oh. but uh, yeah.
1: Anyway. It's like when when uh, Jeff Passan got uh, infiltrated by the the uh, Bitcoin or Ethernet coin thing last year. <laughs> that was hilarious, but um. Uh, <laughs> yeah I yeah. don't know like i I don't blame people i guess for turning to something because the lions uh, are something different and they're gonna be on t v and the, yeah. the tigers are so pathetic and and that really that really drives home how pathetic the tigers are that it it's people are just gearing up for this five and eleven five and twelve season it's. It, you, I had the cutting. I, I cut off, that's music for you
0: for every time. <laughs> Sorry about that.
1: <laughs>
0: as soon as I pulled it, I'm like, "Oh, he's <laughs> second week in a row." I interrupted him. Sorry. No, that's okay. Oh that's, man! All right. <laughs> I just—it's
2: it, hard to believe that you know. One thing that they haven't won a title since '57. They've only won one playoff game since then. That to me is unbelievable that they just did luck into a. A little wild card win once or something, you uh, know. That's shocking. <laughs>
0: yeah, nothing. I mean, the, the we celebrate that win like it's the Super Bowl, and okay. I was I watched that game when I was a kid, so it's um, yeah. Anyway, at any rate, okay. It's now time for the inside numbers. Uh, Youper, what is your inside of number? My inside of number is
2: eighty. Uh, that's the WRC plus of one Wit Merrifield. So, um, heading to Toronto, assuming he got the jab, and I'm sure he probably is going to, because he had to have assured them he'd do it to make the trade, right? Got you, gotta, you know... So, he actually gave up a couple of halfway decent players to get him. Uh, the thing about it, of course, this trade for the, the Royals is probably, what, at least three years late, maybe more? Uh, his production really started to fade a bit in 2019, uh, and it's really gotten worse this year. Although I guess the last month he's playing better. So we'll give him that. He had a game-winning homer the other day. Uh, you just He's, he's going to be the poster child to me uh, of, of, a, of a bad team holding on to a really good player when they should have been looking to move and add three or four pieces. Because I think there was a time Whit Merrifield would have gotten a tremendous package back uh, for that organization and really helped them. Uh, you know, this is a guy who led the AL and steals three times. I think he led the American League in hits three times. Uh, just a really nice, steady, valuable player. Um, never played on a winning team in his career. And you think about that. You know, he's, uh, this when he goes to Toronto, this will be the first time uh, he's with a winning team. So we'll see if he uh, helps them get into the playoffs and uh, do some damage. All right, Chris, what is your inside number? So,
1: so my insider number is 10. And this goes to the number of hits allowed by Ty Madden the other day in his final start with the West Michigan Whitecaps. And I bring this up for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first is, of course, that he was immediately promoted after the game. So I don't think those 10 hits bothered the Tigers that much. I also mention it because that was, I believe, our, our buddy Tre- Trevor Huth was there to watch it live. And so he his first look at, at Ty Madden happened to be his worst start of the year. <laughs> at least from, from that standpoint, which is, it's not always a bad thing to to get a really bad look at a guy because then you set a, a pretty low level. And if you see him again, it's fine. But it also was interesting to me because 10 hits is the exact amount of hits that time hadn't allowed in all of July in 18 innings. They so give up 10 and in five innings in that game and then had given up 10 in the previous 18 innings. And then in June, he had given up 12 hits in 25 innings. So 22 awesome. hits over the previous 33 innings and then 10 and five. So just kind of one of those bizarre, random things that you see, and uh, and we'll see how how uh, how he fares up in Double A Erie now.
0: Yeah, his first start will be Sunday for the SeaWolves in Portland, so that will be watch that on MLB TV. So my inside number this week involves a trade, and it involves and with the Jays and Dodgers the zero point uh, eight two and twelve point twenty seven. And that is the the 0.82 is the ERA of Nick Falso and the the number 12.27, which is K per nine. And the Dodgers who are very good, the Dodgers gave up, by the way, um, Clayton Beater. So they were able to replace him with a guy who might be even better. And so um, in terms of what his potential is, I think I think that in terms of what the what the Dodgers are getting up here, uh, he's firing ninety seven, ninety eight. He's a touched a hundred, but um, his change up averages eighteen inches of fade. That's pretty good. Yeah, and this is all in the recent fan FanGraphs article, and Justin Joy did a really good job of dissecting the tree a little bit. But that is. Right there, a good example of good scouting right there in a the trade An you, you, uh, arm that maybe I mean, he may not be a, a top thirty prospect or you don't he, he might not have a household name, but the Dodgers did their homework, and they saw something in him for a guy who was drafted in the 2020 draft and again, it stands to me because fourth pick it was a fourth round pick and and the dodgers didn't really they were, they were able to expend a starter that they didn't need. And, and now they replenish their their minor leagues with losing beater, and then they put a guy in there. That's smart. That's just genius to me.
1: I'm really glad you brought up that trade because when that happened, I was like, oh, man, that's the Dodgers. Like, they pulled another fast one. Like, they've done this before. I remember they yeah. got Josiah Gray. And I think when Jeter Downs and somebody else in, in a deal – that it, simply, it essentially looked like it was, it was a trade with the Reds and it involved like oh, yeah. and Matt Kemp. And it was like, this is just a weird salary dump. But somehow they got these two little kind of, you know, vaguely interesting prospects back. And then years later, they were able to use Downs to get Mookie Betts. He wasn't the main, uh, the only guy in that, but he was one of the guys. And then they used Gray to get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. And
2: <laughs>
1: I remember Nick Frasso because, uh, because I got super nerdy for the 2020 draft and did a whole five-round mock draft. And I compared him to Matt Manning because he went to Loyola Marymount where Manning was going to go. And he was this super athletic pitcher. And you, there are actually videos of him doing like a between the legs dunk <laughs> at the Cape Cod League. Nice. Yeah. And, and so, and yeah, um, I, I thought he was injured after uh, joining pro ball, but apparently he's he's still around and throwing well. And yeah, don't be shocked if uh, two years from now, Nick Frasso is, uh, you know, a number three starter for the Dodgers. they're just they're just so good at this sort of thing again creativity
0: and that's exactly again we're not i know we sound like we have dodger blue all over our lips or nose or whatever but it's not (laughs) but it's just when i when i looked at the dynamics of the trade and i realized okay well they're they replenished uh, and and beer look clayton beater didn't seem like he's been uh, they were using him as a, a reliever it seemed like instead of a starter and how they were uh, staging them out. So, again, it's just a good j- example of uh, talent procurement there by the Dodgers and, and just, again, doing it doing it well, and you know, LL Cool J style, really. Yeah. All right, it's time now for the good and bad, the ugly. Uh, Chris, what is your good and bad, the ugly this week?
1: So my good is Austin Riley. You know, we briefly touched on him last week I think we just mentioned him because he had been performing well um but yeah so uh he had one hell of a July he hit 423 460 885 with 15 doubles and 11 home runs I think that was uh, a exactly. record exactly. for I think it was a record for extra base hits for a Braves hitter in a month um it was good for 267 weighted runs created plus that month and and 2.6 WAR in July alone mm-hmm. he's now up to 5 WAR for the season uh, and seemed to be in the thick of the National League MVP hunt and uh yeah, and then he just made what two hundred twenty-five million dollars. The Braves were like, "Yeah, you know what? He might be pretty good. Let's sign him." And uh, so, yeah, that's in. And, and that's uh, I, I don't know who it was that brought it up, but I know that Jed retweeted it, and it was pointing out how much Austin Riley struggled in his first year, year and a half in the majors, uh, as an example of hey, it's it's way too early to give up on Spencer Torkelson. And that's a great point because it some guys it takes a little bit longer to figure out what they can do at the big league level. And uh, so, hopefully, you know, point to him and say that's that's what could happen. Uh, my bad, and we touched on it a little bit earlier is the the Eric Scubel arm fatigue. Now, hopefully, there, this is just overabundant caution. I mean, we always hope that, right? We've hoped that every every injury this year. Um, <laughs> but I, I I couldn't help but kind of I, I wrote uh, what amounts to like a requiem for Michael Fulmer's career with the Tigers at, at Motor City Bengals the other day, and. I was kind of struck by the similarities of, of a lot of it. Uh, Fulmer was immediately awesome, right? In the majors and in, in rookie of the year. And, and Scoople, Tarek Scoople wasn't. It, it took him uh, basically until this year to really, we saw the flashes, but this year is when he really showed it. But I had forgotten that, that there were actually people pushing to trade Fulmer at the 2017 deadline, including Sean Windsor from the Freep. Uh, and it was the same thing, like, hey, he's their best young player. He's going to get the most in return. And, and it was, the only problem was that it wasn't, it was clear the Tigers were on a downtrend, but it was wasn't quite yet clear that they were just going to sell everything until the end of August. You know, back when they used to have two trade deadlines, so it was like six weeks early before they they missed out. But Fulmer was was pitching as good or better than he did as a rookie in his second year until he had elbow soreness in like July, and he he missed a couple weeks. He came back, he made four more rough starts, and then got the soreness back again, and that was it. And that basically. Ended his effectiveness as a starting pitcher. He came back the next year and put up like a 470 ERA. He had an oblique injury. Then later in the That's year, true. tore the meniscus in his knee. You know, they changed his mechanics. Uh, he had to wear a knee brace. And because when they changed his mechanics, tore his uh, elbow ligament. And then it's, you know, 2020, he's back as a a bad, short starter. Finally figured it out in 2021. But, you know, basically, that one injury led to four years of nothing. And I don't want to be like a huge like negative person, but I just worry a little bit that the same thing could repeat with Scruble. I'm hoping not. I hope, it, like I said, it's just caution. But uh, yeah, that made me, made me worry a little bit. And uh, my ugly, uh, I think you, you may have mentioned this, was the, the Josh Hader trade for the Brewers, which didn't make much sense even before the latest aspect of it to me. Uh, now, I know that Josh Hader hasn't been himself lately like he had a couple really rough outings uh, a few weeks back including giving up four or five runs in an inning but this is still you know one of the top three relievers in baseball over the last five six years and relievers do kind of die out quickly so maybe the brewers are know what's coming but but i still didn't think they got much in return for a guy who's that good And, and he's getting a little bit more expensive but there's still a year of control and they they got back taylor rogers right who I believe, is a free agent after this year. so They're getting two months of a, a pretty good reliever. But, it's, you know, they've basically replaced the guy just for a little amount of time. They got Esther Ruiz, who I like, but is probably a fourth outfielder at best because he doesn't hit the ball hard. And they got a, an interesting pitching prospect named Robert Gasser, who could be good. Who knows? I mean, the Brewers are good at pitching development. Maybe they see something there. He's going to be, be really good down the road. But he's not a, you know, not top 100 prospect or anything like that. And then they got Denilson Lamette. <laughs> or Lemane, <laughs> however you pronounce his name, who was, at one point, he was a thing, right? He was yeah. he was yeah, a good yeah. young starter, yeah.
2: uh,
1: despite only having two pitches, and then he got injured, and he's been really bad, and then today, they cut him. They just released him. That was a shocker. I was like, w- wait, what? It, it was almost like an NBA trade. Like, like you know, you don't often see that in the in Major League Baseball, where they, just, they trade for a guy, and... Like they're not saving money on that, right? They, unless they have the Padres paying his salary. So it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I don't really know what the brewers are doing there. And, and to that point, Hater was making $11 million this year because he is, it is ARB2 or ARB3 a year. And so he's probably going to make like $14, million, $15 million next year. But again, this is one of the, like, if he were on the free agent market, he'd be making at least what Rysel Iglesias is making, if not uh, much more. So that's still a relative bargain. I, I just don't, I don't, yeah, I just felt like the, the brewers were just trying to offload some some money there, which is a, a pretty big bummer to me.
0: Yeah, that's it. yeah, well there's going that actually kinda corresponds with my ugly too. for what's yours? Uh my good.
2: I I went back to nineteen ninety and I started reading a book, which was really amazing. <laughs> I don't read books anymore, unfortunately. A couple of a year only. But I ordered the Church of Baseball. Uh, by Ron Shelton. It's about the making of the movie Bull Durham. I am uh, only a few chapters in, but I'm loving it. It's really good. Uh, if you loved the movie, I think you're going to really enjoy kind of the recounting of how this all came together, mm. uh, how they chose cast, uh, how some things that the studio was worried about. Uh, it's really, I, I believe the rest of it's going to be worth my time. I'm really enthused early on here. So I just wanted to put that out for people if they're looking for something to read. Uh, The Church of Baseball was pretty good. Um, Bad. The Nats. I feel bad for Nats fans. I don't know how many Nats fans there really are, but, you know, uh, uh, just think back to that, you know, 2019 team or even just before that when they had Harper. I mean, they had Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, Trey Turner, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer. Uh, They had their Corbin before his career died. He was looking like a possible big-time player. They paid him like one for sure. Um, It's just, you know, it happened in Detroit. It happened in Washington. It's happened elsewhere, but it's always sad, you know. Um, You'd like to – we know the the reserve clause was bad (laughs) for baseball uh, and for players uh, back in the old days when you could keep a team together. Um, But obviously, that's why you need a GM who can be fluid and make things – Happen and, and stay on top of this, uh, and you know you think Mike Rizzo's even be that guy because that ownership has spent money before, so it's really hard to believe this is all kind of broken up in just a matter of a couple of years. Um, my ugly Toledo Mud Hens uniforms, <laughs> brutal. You know they're in town. I'm going tomorrow night, and I'm hoping to go on Sunday as well. So I've been watching, you know, and they have the same uniforms they had last year we got to do something right those red uniforms with the yellow birds on the sleeves got some black in there as well and then you got red yellow and black to top it off they have a clashing gray pants with them you know it's it's it, it's brutal I mean, they—they they, they, was it something on sale? Is that what they got? You know? <laughs> uh, I've heard other—I've heard, yeah.
0: heard, heard other announcers make fun of, of like, "Wow, they're yeah, interesting jersey choices." They're—they're oh, they're they're, they're yeah. ugly.
2: They need—they need, need an overhaul. They should go to something like a, a, just a classic pinstripe or something, um, just to cleanse the palate of the, the garish thing they're wearing now. So, there's my—they—they they probably won't listen to me, but they should do it.
0: Oh, I you know what Uber I firmly agree with you because even something along the lines of uh, look if they went with something I'm I'm looking I'm some (laughs) I would actually be fine with something they actually these jerseys is what I remember the most when I was growing up because I always thought Toledo is this kind of far away place um, when you hear about minor league baseball when I was growing up (laughs) and this oh of course now it doesn't want to capture oh there it is so I, I look at them. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, this is this is them in the late eighties. That right there, I'd be fine with that right there. Although this oh. the, this setup right here, though this setup is this setup is atrocious. This is when they were a Twins affiliate, though. This is when they were not a Tigers affiliate. Just keep that in ah. mind. But uh, yeah, Oof, but yeah, way, that, yeah. That that's that's bad. The deep V. The DV.
1: Like... Those uh, old, old Vancouver Canucks jerseys. Well, you
0: know, oh, all man. those all those colors
2: they use now, if they just. Got rid of three of them and used one if they were like all black, or all red, or all yellow, or you know, uh, all gray. <laughs> but they just have all those colors mixed together and it's just not very eye pleasing. I don't think.
0: Yeah, and look, this is okay. This is their away jerseys. This is fine because they still have that old logo right there. Oh, yeah. look, at that, Kevin Ritz,
2: <laughs> nice <laughs> one,
0: Travis Fryman. Oh man, all right, I'll, I'll, I can, I'll get completely sidetracked with this, but um, yeah. oh look at that, Mil Kyler, ooh. See that that logo right there. That is a cool logo. They should bring yep. back, um, with that Phil Clark. Oh, what a waste of a draft pick. Ugh. Ah, anyways, all right. I'm too too sidetracked. So we did get um two participating listeners who left good, bad, and the ugly. So Christopher, thank you so much. You left one in YouTube chat. His good was Matt Manning's return. Matt Manning, re- his return back to the rotation. The bad, the Tigers' defense. Agreed. And the ugly, the Tigers' front office. And then we have one from Tim, who is a loyal listener, who emailed the old uh, Tigers chat, the old Tigers GR or SRD email. And um, that's why I mentioned earlier the email WoodwardTigers at gmail.com. So if you want to get a hold of us, but he said. This is Tim, and he said, hey, guys, here's an ugly Tigers broadcast on Apple TV, Peacock, UTV, YouTube TV, etc. I watch a lot of Tigers, but it's almost like the jerks on MLB.com or MLB don't want us to be able to watch games. I'm not going to pay for another streaming service. Download another app. Try to remember another username password. Anyone over 50 is going to struggle and try to locate games on these services. Come on, MLB. This stinks. I want to watch, but didn't today. This was Sunday. He sent the email uh, when Peacock was doing that, but it wasn't on Bally Sports. Ugly. So, um, and well, he said, love the, love the show, guys. So, well, That's the second time this year the Tigers have had a a Friday
2: night Amazon Sunday Peacock <laughs> double dip, right? Yeah. That seems uh, it seems like they could spread that out to other teams over and, the course of the
0: season. At least for the Peacock broadcast, they had J- Jason Benatendi on this one. He, Last one, they didn't have one. J- J- Jason's the best.
2: He, he is, is really good. He's uh, going to Fox now. Did you see that
0: article? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And that's, well,
2: pretty, that's pretty cool for him. That's yeah. a big step up. I hope he gets the World Series at some point. Down the road, I don't know if he yeah. will. You know, When he will, but he's excellent. Um, I'll take a little bit of uh, exception there. I'm over fifty, and I found those games. So anybody can do it. It's
0: a- I, you know what? <laughs> Each drone, I'm not gonna. I mean, I like. I'm trying my hardest. Like I'm, I'm trying to avoid be my like my father. My father. Nobody
1: takes cash anymore. Yeah. my <laughs> our,
0: my, my, my my favorite was when my dad would try to like to, like you look at my phone, and I remember before this is he, he did mechanic work into his late 70s and we we're trying to set up a timing chain once and he go hello in spanish you just go um he was trying to figure out the timing chain and he didn't have the diagram because he would he had the haynes books those haynes automotive books that you gospel for those things and i have one I, I still have one for my old Ford Escort. i just keep it as for a me- memento sake but anyway he didn't have it for the car he's working on so i'm like all right well i'll go to youtube i go to google pull it up and he looks at me, he's just like, and he just, and, and, and he just sighs. He goes, man, what the hell was I thinking not learning this shit? Yeah. yeah. He's like, he goes, you have a, he goes, well, one computer. The, the, the telephone computer. I'm like, yeah, that it's, it's, got the, it's more computing power than Apollo 9 or, or Apollo 13. And he'd just good be time. like, he, anyway. So my good this week is the Andre Lipsius to Toledo. Not because, of course, this is a selfish. I can lie because I've been a big Andre Lipsius, as the kids would say stand for a while and um, see that I do my age thing now, um, but all <laughs> seriousness, but it's also good because of the 2019 draft class. So it is he joins Ryan Kreidler, Riley Green, Carrie Carpenter, Bo Brisky, and then Austin Bergner, who also got called up to Toledo. For the 2019 draft class to play in Toledo this season. Now it doesn't sound like a significant thing, but if you think about it from the standpoint, Carpenter's going to probably get a call up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, Kreidler at some point will get a call up, and Brisky's already been there. So to me, the 2019 class right now, right now, might be the best draft class the Tigers have had in the last 30 years. I mean, good it, job, Alavila. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Look, look, in terms of Lipsius. I know, I know Lipsius is a fan, but there's people in the organization that like him because he walks, and he's pl- pretty solid defensively. He's not flashy. He does a good job defensively, and his, he, as uh, Scott Bentley would say and myself too, he's an OPS machine, and the fact is since day one, since the day I saw him at West Michigan adjust his swing, when he, people talk about how long his swing is, he's shorted up his swing. He's, con- he's a smart – he's a tinker, and he's a guy that goes out there, does his job. And goes home like to me. Those are the kind of players you see on a bench. It's a utility guy, and look, I know that some people like the names and, and all that, and, and that's great. But since day one, I've always I've always liked his approach to the plate, and I and mean, even the scouting report. He's you know talk about how slow footed he is and and fielding wise, but he's been a pretty good defender, and it was good to see that. And and Austin Bergner, by the way, has also been pitching very well. But Chris, I remember you talking about him before. He was kind. Of, you th- you call him a sleeper, correct? I mean, when the Tigers drafted him.
1: Uh, well you know I mean I I back when they drafted him I thought I thought they were going to develop him as a starter but he started in pro ball as a reliever and it was like well I, we'll see what happens here and he's just a guy who's improved a lot since moving into the rotation last year although his his fastball velocity is down like 2 or 3 miles an hour this year um, but yeah I mean t- to your point the 2019 draft even even just like organizational guys they've got a really good Group from that year's draft. You got Navagato. You've got Brendan White. You've got uh, Ted Stuka was down there pitching today. I'm I'm looking. Who else do we have? And and Zach Hass was a guy who was going to be a big league that I thought. Uh, You know, he went down for Tommy John surgery. Jay Colton has been a really good uh, or guy. Corey Joyce, Uh, Andrew Magno is still around pitching. So yeah, I mean, it it was it was a good class. And uh, when you said you know best in like 30 years, I I went back to I think it was 2005 was the year they ended up getting like a dozen guys to the big leagues. I'm checking now, but it would have been like the, the Brennan Bosch, uh, Scott Sizemore, Matt Joyce draft. I'm looking. Uh, Yeah. So, so not Brennan Bosch, (laughs) but yeah. So 2005 was Maven, Chris Robinson, Kevin Whelan, Jeff Larish, Cleek Thomas, Anthony Claggett, Matt Joyce, (laughs) Casper Wells, Michael Holloman, Burke Badenhop. And Will Rhymes all made it from that year, um, and then uh, an uh, unsigned fella named Alex Avila. But uh, maybe it was 2000. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks like it's going to be one of the more prolific drafts for them, at least. You know, and, and you know, could be one of the best if Riley Green does what we think he could do.
0: Yeah, and and look, it's just to me. I know we've been bashing the Tigers all night, and that's not our intention. We're trying to be objectively realistic, but. To me, I, I like that the fact that we're sitting there talking about a couple guys that are Toledo's usually the the cast of veterans that that teams have set aside, and, and it's a lot of times guys that are willing to go and, and this is their final chance. But to have Lipsius there now, along with Bergner, and Bergner to me has been kind of going on the radar in Double A. He's been quietly having a really good season. Yeah. And he's been consistent on every start, and so. I think that's that's a good sign. I mean, for all the crap that's happened this season, to have essentially, what, six, I can't do math right now, uh, five players uh, from the 2019? Is it five, or am I, what am I oh, missing? In, in Toledo right now? Yeah, or have been in Toledo, rather. Yeah, uh, that sounds it was so Carpenter, you said? Lipsius, Breitler. Yeah, Car- uh, yep, and Brisky. Brisky. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and Green has yeah. made it there, and, and, and Burger, right? That's six?
0: Yeah. Oh, um, six, okay,
1: yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's funny, as I was listening to uh, Bergner's last start, I think, at uh, at Erie, listening to to Greg talk, and they were referencing the Tigers had just made uh, one of their, you know, prospect videos on Bergner, which is always a good sign that, like, hey, they like this guy, they're going to move him. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his, apparently, his dad was such a stone-cold Steve Austin fan but that's where he's—he got his name. His name is Austin Stone Bergner.
0: Nice. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Oh man, that. Now, I now I ha- now I have to just, I, I have to find this now. I, I have to find this piece of information for reasons that are, all-y. um
1: Yeah, and apparently, uh, from what it sounds like, he's very much like a J.D. Martinez. In terms of like note taking and, and and really going through each one of his outings and and doing details to find give out where he's yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
0: So,
1: I said, "Give me a hell yeah!"
0: <laughs> That's pretty cool. There you go. That'd be his mean it, it, entrance
2: music from the bullpen.
1: It's a, he's following a little bit of the Garrett Hill path, but although he was a top ten pick, so there's there's you know, unlike Garrett Hill, who was what twenty sixth, twenty seventh round, but yeah, it's it. There are, there are some things to at least not feel bad about, right? Yeah. Like, hey, they've got some interesting young players.
0: If this is not his bullpen when he walks out. This this needs to be. And no one's going to get it. We'll know. So if anybody tries to say, oh, yeah, this pull factor, like, no, you heard your hurt first. You're on this podcast. So him going out. I'm getting too far off. Yeah. So anyways, anytime we can bring up things that outside of baseball that we like, like I like professional wrestling. I don't follow like I used to, but anyway, so my bad is the Tigers. Unfortunately, twins pitchers struck out tiger batters 41 times in three games. And they struck out 14 times today. Joe Ryan has their number. Joe Ryan. Looks at the Tigers and just goes, all right. He's styling, he's styling up to the buffet. Yeah, he's like,
1: <laughs> no chance. No chance. Joe Ryan is a, is a guy to point to when people always say, oh, don't trade with the Rays. Like, yeah, you know, the Twins did pretty well in that trade. They got rid of Nelson Cruz, who was, you know, a good hitter for them, but they didn't need him anymore. And they got Joe Ryan, who, who's going to be one of their probably top three starters for the next five years.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's just again. And my ugly is the Cubs. And the reason why is not moving Wilson Guterres or Ian Hap. And now Ian Hap does have some control, player control. He's in, under control till 2023. But the Cubs have been fire sailing for a while now. So you thought that they would continue that theme. And maybe they overvalue people. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that, honestly, because they. I think, what, in the last three or four trades trade deadlines, they have been always a team that's just like, you know what? You guys want somebody? Here. Go. Go. Get out of here.
2: Really surprised the Mets didn't make that happen. Yeah. That was what I thought. The Mets or the Rays, but the Mets especially.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I guess, in in my mind, you know, the the, uh, qualifying offers are back on the table now because they couldn't come to an agreement about the international draft. That was going to be the player's concession or whatever like or, or the owner's concession was like we'll get rid of qualifying offer system if you give us this draft so i guess the cubs they're going to make Contreras an offer at the end of the year and, and they value that potential draft pick more than anything that they were going to get in return so maybe that's where they are in their competitive process where they think that that you know getting some more um you know, bonus pool money is better for them than getting a player but it is it is kind of shocking although you know david in our uh, the Tigers minor league report podcast made a pretty good point the other day about how it, trading catchers or moving catchers around is a little bit different than trading other players because they're so, you know, they've, they've done so much work with their current pitching staff and, and they've got to go and learn a, in another dozen arms real quick. And it it, it maybe doesn't work out as well as, as most people would think, but maybe the Tigers will sign Contreras next year.
0: Yeah, or maybe they'll go after, uh, uh, I think it was Ghost, Steve, or Ghost, um, Ghost Mav in Discord, recommended the Tigers go after Lamette. I thought, you know, as a project. So, actually, that's, I, I like that idea. So, um, yeah, he's, that's true. Yeah, no, he, he, it's, uh, Michael Meyer Mayer was saying that in our YouTube chat, basically seeing what you're saying there. And if, you know what, does Chief, do the Tigers get a pick of? That's a player option, right? So that wouldn't be the case, yep. correct? He can yeah. just opt out for nothing. Yeah. So which is uh,
1: that one is mystifying to me too, unless they got some sort of uh, some sort of uh, promise from him that he's going to resign with them. Um, yeah, you're at risk of losing Chafin for absolutely nothing. Which you know, again, not to not to be mean about the guys that they got, maybe that's not a whole lot different than what they got for Fulmer and, and Grossman, but it's still weird that again, one of the best left-handed relievers on the market who also gets right-handers out, couldn't move them. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't either. So that is our segments for the week. And so we got questions to get to, and I know uh, I feel bad last week because Steve cook, who is a loyal listener, left us a question last week and missed out. So um, I think he left us a question on Woodward Tigers about the 2019 draft, I believe. I think I'll double check. He's listening right now, so he'll he'll remind me here in a second. I know I know that for a fact. Steve is Steve's fantastic people. So, um, let's see here. Well, Chris, where do you want to start with the questions this week? Uh, so, let me. Uh, well, we did get the one. Oh, um, we got the Mark question. You want, to, you want to start with the Mark question?
1: Sure. So he said, "Hey, Rahelio for players with at least one hundred at bats on the Tigers, Riley Green is the only hitter with a barrel percentage over ten percent at ten point eight. Detroit is thirtieth in baseball and isolated power." I get Hinch playing hot bats with Reyes and Willie and Harold, but do you expect their playing time to be cut down at some point to see what we have with some triple A guys? They still need to at least try to be competitive, but also start looking toward next year's team inside the numbers. Oh, he has some inside of number stuff for us too. All
0: right, nice. Uh, he's
1: inside the number was 67. The number of years Vince Scully in the Dodgers booth. But, uh, so yeah, like do we expect these kind of middling players the the Castros and Victor Reyes, uh, to continue to get at bats down the stretch, uh, and hit second, third, and fourth for some reason. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: Uber, go
2: ahead. I think that, you know, there's what? 50-something games left? 55?
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I think they're going to stick with the guys. I think the Castro brothers and and Vic are going to get their at-bats. I think we're going to see a little bit of Carpenter. And then very late, you might see a little bit of Kreidler. Um, I, I I, mean, look how long they've had Clemens. How much is he playing? You know? Uh, <laughs> I mean, he did, he, he, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah he, I think he started. Yeah, he started today at third.
2: Yeah, you know, you might see a little, you know, and they don't expand the rosters like they used to, so there's not going to be all these extra spots. So, do you see them? You know, they're not going to DFA, I mean, Willie Castro. He's actually playing a little better. So I, I, I think, think it's going to be, I think they're going to write it out fairly status quo here.
0: I think if they put Miguel Cabrera, who's been battling knee problems, which is why he explains why his batting average has gone down. And he's gone out there like a trooper. And if anybody says anything, otherwise you can kindly of screw off quite frankly. Um, because I th- it, again, the guy, if the guy's been playing hurt, he's really had no choice. So if they put him on the IL, then yeah, yeah. I could see, I could see Carpenter getting a, a shot. Daz Cameron's back in the house, so I mean, Daz Cameron. I think Daz Cameron should get some more time. I absolutely, they should give Daz Cameron more time, more time to see what they, what the hell they have with him. Yeah, there's no yeah. doubt. I yeah. agree. You know, and I, I would think that. Um, yeah, that, that, that's what I think. They should probably.
2: You know, here's the thing. I enjoy watching Victor Reyes because that's been kind of my shtick for a long time. And I like the guy. Yeah. And he's a decent enough player. But we know what he is. I mean, if he, if he did, you know, if he became the guy who plays once a week, that would make a lot of sense. I just don't know if they're going to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, we, we've seen small movement in this realm, right? They, they dfa Derek Hill. They, they finally, I guess, seen enough for Derek Hill. So um, I, I do think that they're going to want to get a Badu as much playing time as possible because there is some upside remaining there. And we saw that he was actually a pretty good player as a rookie. Now there's a lot of uh, you know holes that have been exposed, but they want to see if they can recapture that. Um, and I do, you know, I, I I've always said that AJ Hinch seems to really like Willie Castro, and everybody seems to like Harold Castro. You got three hits today, so <laughs> I do think those guys are going to continue to play. But but yeah, and you also have to factor in that, that uh, Austin Meadows is going to come back at some point, right? Maybe. Yeah. Theoretically. Wow. It, wow. Um, so yeah, I I wow. don't see them making <laughs> like wholesale IL trips or or cutting guys to make room for Gary Carpenter or Kreidler or the CS or anybody like that. Those guys uh, do need to be added to the 40 man after the season. So maybe we'll see them, like you said, but uh, not expecting a ton of playing time for him.
2: And going back to Cabrera, I am glad that they put the word out that he's hurting Uh, someone, they, you know, someone asked the question and, and Hinch gave the answer because, you know, I put out last night, he hit that ball up the middle, and and Correa barely stopped it. He dove. He was on his stomach for a long time. He didn't even get up fast. I thought, "Oh, Miguel's going to beat that one out surely." And he got up through him. Out. He threw him out by ten feet. And I had a little bit of a snarky tweet about it. Uh, so I would like to take that back now that I know that he's really been battling a bad knee again. Um, would have been good information to know. <laughs> so. But you could just see that was the play to me. That that was crystal clear. I mean, Victor
0: Martinez would have break would have beaten that out, on a similar play. Derek, look, I, I I blanked out Derek Hill on purpose because I was kind of. Chris brought up the graph on Twitter the other day about the, tw- the the first round draft picks, which are been. It's it's bad, but I thought Derek Hill didn't get a Derek Hill when he got a chance. I know he struggled sometimes with the play, but I thought. He's a guy that they, when they platooned him right, I thought he was fine. Versus putting somebody like you're putting Willie Castro out there, and center field wanted him to learn on the fly. So it, but then again, also, it was kind of necessary because they have to at some point figure out what the hell they have with who. They DFA the wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh Jeremy, that's that's good stuff. I did, uh... Yeah, I just yeah. I I don't I I don't agree with it at all. So, but it is what it is. There are a surprisingly
1: number of uh, number of uh, classic rock based puns that you can make from that, it's like Derek and the Dominoes, What what comes after Derek Hill DFA? Yeah, and Bell Bob Blues. I, <laughs> I think I wrote uh, over the Tigers are over the hill and far away. So, Led Zeppelin. But. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. So uh, the other questions we have, uh, what do we have here? we got Steve Butts. He gave us a good, bad, and ugly. So the good, uh, the twins, that Levine getting Tyler Molly might have sealed the, the division race. The bad, the Tigers' clown car infield defense bleeding under in runs. And the ugly, Al Avila's most impressive movement at the deadline involved his bowels. And oh, 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 oh. Oh, I don't think we need to know that Steve yeah
0: oh man how about that <laughs> by, by the way in the YouTube chat stop it says Derek never looked comfortable when he didn't pass the eye test that's fair again I, I again I, I just well, think the way the Tigers used him uh, it, it wasn't it it him, to it it a every time
2: guy. about him Derek Kill got he, he would get hurt standing in a stiff breeze yeah that's true no well, no I mean,
0: no you're right you i can't I'm not gonna again it's probably a thing where if if Hinch doesn't like him then Hinch has his guys, yeah plain symbol's that but that was a good uh good bad the ugly there by Steve. thank you for, <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> did you get uh Steve Cook's question uh Chris there see it you know what i see. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll look for it now um
1: right. I have one from Nick's Blaine, and then we got deadly ninja bees
0: all right, go ahead with Nicks.
1: Uh, Nick said, do you guys see any benefit of hanging on to Chafin and Jimenez? Chafin likely walks at seasons in and Jimenez doesn't have the track record of sustained success. Why wasn't the needle move for the Tigers to deal with these two players? I mean, yeah, Yeah, that's been,
2: that's been the, that's been the big thing. A lot of people have said that, you know, uh, relievers are so volatile and the Tigers ledger with Joe Jimenez is certainly more negative than positive. So now that he was, you know, really, he's been great this year. No question about it. Uh, it probably would have behooved them to really work hard to find a deal uh, instead of waiting for something to come to them. And then maybe it wasn't out there. Maybe you know other teams don't trust him either after they've seen a lot of his struggles. Uh, but now he's coming back next year and he, he'll be coming back off of a good season. So uh, we'll just have to hope for the best and uh, see if he can replicate this. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't,
1: if if they had traded Fulmer and Chafin and got something decent, I would be like, "That's fine. Keep keep him in us. You're gonna need some good arms back there." And and like you said, he's been great this year. Like mm-hmm. the the improvement he's made, I just did not see coming at any point. Well, he's dropped his walk rate by like twenty percent or something ridiculous. He was walking close to seven per nine last year, and it's one one point seven five this year. Um, yeah. It, so there there could be some benefit there, but. Again, this is probably a guy that you're either going to try to trade in the offseason or trade at next year's deadline. So, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't picture them signing him to an extension or anything like that. So, yeah, I, I guess it, again, it just feels like a missed opportunity for some value. But at least that one makes a little bit more sense to me than, than Chafin, and who might just be for nothing.
2: The one good thing I'll say about Joe, if unless I'm forgetting something, he's he's healthy yeah right uh, I mean the guy answers the bell he 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 sucked a lot of the time over the years, but he he's he's there you know he's got the availability in on his side so that that to me if he has found something that works, that does uh the fact that he'll be real uh available next year is a good thing too
0: yeah, yeah. I, I really i look, I think that Evans has turned a corner a little bit in terms of consistency he was really good the second half of the season last year, and he just but he got even better, and I think that. His fastball spin was something that was always a plus, but everything else was just bad. But Jimenez has proven himself to be, along with Vest, you have a pretty good setup for the bullpen next year. And look, I, not to sound like I'm being pessimistic about Funkhauser, but I don't think Funkhauser is going to be in the plans next year. I think it's going to take a while before he even does. And if he is, it's not going to be till midseason. But, um, nevertheless, yeah, There, as far as chafing goes, yeah, he has a player option and he answered. I think he's been messing with the media. <laughs> he's just like, he might come back. Who knows? I don't know. Paraphrasing, but it was something like he said, the way he said it's like, as he's eating a Twinkie, because uh, they're making a big deal. He was eating Twinkies today, which is like, who cares? Yeah. And he likes Twinkies. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He's an athlete and he'll probably burn off running back for the bullpen. I can't run that off. Well, I can, but I mean, you know what I mean? Anyway. Um, the question, well, we have a question in YouTube. Um, to we'll get to you in a second, but the question I want to get to before I forget was from Steve, and and I like this question a lot. Perez, he thinks he was talking about in terms of Perez, he's thinking Winslow Perez, the second baseman in 2023 at some point, and scope gets phased into the background. Is that something as a possibility? I personally, I know he has, a, he has a back injury, he came back in the lineup tonight, he had a couple walks. Um, if Perez can not get over the yips of throwing correctly. I think that is totally feasible. Uh, I, I like his numbers this year. He's done a very good job of adjusting a double a and he's put himself back on the radar for the tigers in terms of positional prospects wise. But as f- again, it would have to be how he finishes the season how he starts spring training and what the tigers decide to do. Cause they have to make the decision to make him on the 40 man decision to park Parker Meadows. I think there's gonna be a lot of roster turnover, Next few months, if whoever's gonna be the GM, whether it's a, even if it's even if it's a velo, let's say if it is a velo, they have to make a lot of decisions. They have a lot of decisions to make on the 40 man roster. This roster you're gonna see here at the end of the beginning of October, or excuse me, when that season ends, should be completely radically different. <laughs> Motherfucker, this stupid spam, Christ. Anyway, sorry, <laughs>
1: naked HD.
0: Um yeah, you know, Perez
1: has put together one of the more impressive comeback seasons in the minors for the Tigers. Uh, like you said, he's he's put himself firmly back in the prospect mix. Uh hitting for power, speed, hitting for average, walking a lot. Like there's a lot to like there offensively. Like you said, the the defense is is basically the main question at this point. Uh you hope that he can improve the consistency there, you know, get him working with santiago and, and tram on a regular basis at the big league level and and maybe he can become an average defender at second base and then you might have something um i still think that you know i mean as you said if if a completely new regime comes in then all bets are off we might see them uh you know if they have carte blanche we might see them cut cabrera cut scope cut Candelario. like they might just cut everybody uh but i i assume that so it's one of the questions in the chat is like, you know, are they going to go outside or, or stay inside? I, I feel like it's more likely that they stay inside right now. And in that case, I think that some of the people who are here, like scope are are going to remain here. And so I, I don't see Winslow Perez supplanting him next year, unless there's an injury of some sort, you know, I mean, Cody Clemens hasn't done it this year and, and scope has not been good offensively at all.
0: Yeah. and, I know Clemens has made some decent plays at first base, too. So to address the question real quick here in YouTube chat from Stop It. What do you think the chances they let Avila go with this many injuries doesn't seem right, but if they did let him go, who do you see next? And that's that's the million-dollar question. I I think if they do go – I think they go eternally. They go with somebody like Mezen or uh, Jason Jace, uh, – Jace, um, Sartori. 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 They might go that way. I don't know. Um, so that, that's what I think. In terms of outside the organization, I that I don't know because there's so many candidates out there. There's Will Rhimes out in LA, who was the former Tiger, who's now the director of player development for the Dodgers. They there's so many different candidates out there, but if they win I think they go internally first before they go external. That's just my opinion. So I'll put that Stanford guy out there, Garko. I'm telling you our course no i yeah yeah i mean you might have a good synergy already there's
1: no shortage of really interesting good uh you know executives that are in an assistant capacity for other organizations i mentioned earlier today i mentioned mike groupman who is a scout i think he might have been with the tigers at one point early in his career but he's now the assistant gm at boston the brewers i think in 2017 brought him in to completely revitalize their uh, international market, which was not very good. And he turned it around very quickly to the point where they now have uh, a guy this year who might be the next Ronald Acuna Jr. in, in Jackson Churio.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so anybody can do that would be good for me because I, I feel like the Tigers have, their, their failures on the international front have been particularly stark uh, and, and troublesome to me. But yeah, there are guys that uh, just about any contender, Dodgers, Cardinals, Rays, anybody, bring somebody in, and, and they're probably going to be an upgrade. Unfortunately,
0: yeah, any it doesn't matter; it could be anything. So, all right, so let's finish up real quick. So we have the deadly ninja bees question. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he just uh,
1: he said is is the Tigers front office trying to improve the team? Two, we've seen over a hundred games. Where do you rank this offense historically? And three, promote Avila
2: hashtag. So. Promote him to to demote him. Yes. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. I mean, are they trying to improve the team? I
2: again, to I me, to answer again to that question is, it's more of an indictment that they didn't have much to move that was really valuable at this deadline. It's not so much that they didn't get a lot for what they did move. Okay, that's fine. That, that whatever but they didn't have a marquee talent that, hey, this guy is someone you should come and get and help you win a World Series. They didn't have anybody. Yeah. Uh, if you want to make the argument of, of Tarek Skubal, fine, but again, you're basing that on like 15 starts this year. I mean, I don't know how, how many contenders were going to say, oh yeah, we got to get that guy. You know, um, They didn't have anyone like that. And that's, To me, that's the, that's the greater indictment of, over not getting anybody for what they did deal.
0: There's one thing about this too that I, and, and Walter brings up a good point about really in, in international talent. Christian Santana's having a really good season, and yet they don't. You know, here's something that I noticed about the pipeline account for the Tigers. So, like like we mentioned earlier in the week, Tiger Miley Report hit over 10,000 followers on Twitter. We got to get those YouTube numbers up to a thousand. If I if we get the YouTube over the end of the year, I'll be over the moon. So, but uh, they. I would expect more of emphasis on Campos and Santana and Saquera. Santana's having a really good year. I mean, he he's going to be probably the number one Tigers prospect at some point in the next couple months, honestly. Um, we have them on our top five, but it's just, again, the, that is a sign, a good sign because I, it's been a while since we've had an international, like since what Steven Moya, really? I mean, if in terms of, Positional talent. Stephen, yep.
1: Christ. Moya, it, was, it was Moya Machado, and yeah. Uh, oh yeah, um, what was the other? Uh, Wilkins Ramirez. Wilkins Ramirez, Harold Castro. Uh, Suarez <sighs> was was pretty highly ranked within the system, or at least bring not out the
0: hits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gorky Hernandez.
1: Hernandez. There you go. Somehow so he ends
0: up. up six. Yeah, ends up being a giant.
1: He was the. Uh, he was the Midwest League MVP one year. He I was think, with like yeah. two home runs.
0: The future is bright. Yeah, come on, bring it in, Gorkys. Right. You know, and the
2: funny thing was, he was the. I remember looking this up because I was on that Tiger chat room a lot. He was the MVP, and the MVPs of the Midwest League in the years prior to him were uh, uh, Albert Pujols, Joe Mauer, and uh, Adam Dunn, and some other big name. And so then it was Gorkys Hernandez right after that. You're thinking.
1: Man,
2: they're just going to
1: keep cranking out stars, you know? No. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say was that was that 2007 or 2006? I'm, because I, I feel like it was like he beat Justin Upton for it, and Justin Upton had like ridiculous numbers.
0: I want to say it's so 2006, yeah. I want to say. So it was
1: 2007. Hernandez oh, hit 2000. 293 with uh four home runs and 54 steals. 54 steal. Um,
0: yeah so anyway Ugh. good time yes yeah Yeah. Aggress. yeah. And was that it for the questions Chris yep that's all I saw okay that's all I saw on my end we got Mark's question and yeah that wraps up for another podcast this week again um, permanent uh, day we're going to be moving to is Wednesdays because it's just a lot easier for everybody uh, with the Tigers seemingly having a lot of um Road games back, or games where they're playing in the afternoon on Wednesdays, it makes a lot of sense. And there's no baseball going on. And as far as I can tell, TV wise, it's a perfect day. When Thursdays usually there's some good on. Wednesdays, not so much, I, from my experience at least. So, but um, yeah, and, and <laughs> before I get out, of yeah, there's this. There's a nice comment there. It feels like the Tigers are just part of other de- teams' development program, or just to help them get better. So again. If you want to email us a question during the week, woodwardtigers at gmail.com. We'll put it in the show description and uh, check out the latest article. Uh, Chris has got something over at MotorCityBangles.com. I'm going to be dropping a a Vila uh, piece as well soon. And I have this Vila pro. Okay. So I've been working on this project, this video project for, um, (laughs) for a while now. I've just been, like I said, some personal things have been going on. so by the way if you want to support the patreon tigers minor league or excuse me patreon forward slash tiger minor report the reason okay as far as the patreon just helps us with equipment and all that stuff it goes a long way and maybe guess what i can spend more time writing and, and doing those things woodward pays me decently it's part-time but we do the minor league stuff for out of love but if you could throw us a few bucks a month i'm not trying to beg but That way I don't have to work a full-time job in marketing anymore because marketing absolutely positively sucks. Okay. I'm just going to look, I'm just going to be real here. Okay. I, okay. For potential jobs out there, I like marketing. I do. I do. Let me, let me rephrase that. I like marketing. I just want to work somewhere where it's normal, insane and not weird. And um, yeah, I'd like to do this full-time. I'm not gonna lie. I would love to do this full-time. And I feel like I would get better at it doing it full time. I think we're pretty good now, but I think we'd be a lot better. So yeah, Walter, thank you for everybody who supports the Patreon. Thank you. I'm not I'm not complaining about that, but if you want to help us out, it goes a long way. Right. And that way, we don't ha- we can do this full time. We can jump on and um, and Chris doesn't have to write about video games anymore. And, um, and
1: I could Hebrew. I could use a fan for my phone. It uh, it made it three innings today in Lansing before it overheated
0: yeah, see, I usually come up there, and I usually have the battery charger ready to go because of patreon, I have the extra spare battery charger that I could go to Chris and go, "Hey, here, use that."
1: it was it was hot out there today, man yeah. it was uh-huh.
0: nice. So
1: the As GM was there. Oh, really. Yeah. So you Not got really Epo- being, you know the actual GM.:
0: Oh, by the way, Chris uh, Mr. Chris Brown was on air today with uh, the great Jesse
1: um, Goldberg Strassler. yeah, but this is actually he <coughs> was great Jesse's awesome. You know yeah, uh, you Jesse, know. we're we're very fortunate. We we you know become friendly with Jesse and Dan and Greg and these guys are all awesome announcers and really good people. Uh, yeah, and I was just sitting there eating my Michigan munchies, which is uh, a thing they sell at Lansing, which is fries, uh, chicken tenders, and uh, cord dog bites. And he's like, "Hey, you want to join?" I'm like, "Sure." So uh, I came in there and, and I got to witness Denzel Clark at a, an inside the park home run and nice. uh, did three half innings with him. And it's just it, it's incredibly I feel lucky and it's really fun to do that and like you just you you get a new sense of awe for how well these guys keep track of the game and bring you back to what happened before and move you through the game and, and it's like yeah it, it uh, they're incredibly talented and so yeah that was a lot of fun and this is the first time you know Dan Hastie has had me in there twice before I think he's had you in at least twice Rod yeah um and uh, but this is the first time it was actually Lansing the home team so if you want to hear me talk about baseball uh, during a game you can you can go to the app and listen to i think it was the sixth through the seventh inning that i'm on there so if you want to hey, you know, he,
0: That's great. he doesn't say anything about it until like later on in the evening i was he was texting me earlier before the show he's like oh yeah i was like i gotta well, I mean, tune in i mean <laughs> i was, was on it it
1: because every time i've done this i i get like caught up in the moment and i don't go hey you know we uh we have a podcast and, and we have, you know, Jesse mentioned Tigers minor league report like a half dozen times, but I didn't mention the podcast. I didn't mention you Raj. I feel bad. I didn't I don't don't, don't worry about that. I don't care about that. I really you don't know, care. I don't, um, and so uh, I just want to be, I just want to listen to support my friend, but I told him that you'd probably be up there to, tomorrow. So
0: Yes. More than likely I will be going up there tomorrow. Um, I, I got to make the decision between going to the opening game against Tampa, but then Lou Whitaker weekend is this weekend. So by the way, forgot to mention, there'll be a Lou Whitaker montage. Something by the way, Jeremy, to answer the question on YouTube. Um, so that's when Chris was on. So I was in six and seven. Six and seven, yep. Uh, so there'll be a Lou Whitaker montage I'm going to be dropping for Woodward Tigers. I'm, that I'm actually finishing up. The Alavilla stuff is, like I said, it's getting there. Um, but uh, it's a lot harder than I was, thought it was going to be. But uh, the Lou Whitaker stuff, uh, Saturday's going to be awesome. So anybody who's going to be at the game on Saturday, let me know um, if you're on Twitter or discord or whatever. And, and um, I'll be sitting in the press box and, and being part of the ceremonies and trying to get, I'll be running around. So if you want to talk about Lou Whitaker on camera, come find me and we'll definitely talk some sweet Lou, whatever. That, that sounded wrong, but anyway. Nice. All right, folks, have a good night. We'll talk to you next week. If not, yeah, we'll talk to you on social media. Right.
1: Thanks, Jeremy.